Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. You know this week's work party guest as the co-lead singer of the pop alt band Fits in the Tantrums. She's lent her voice to top turning songs like Out of My League, Hand Clap, and The Walker. But now she's using her voice in a whole new way. As the founder of the diversity initiative, Diversify the Stage, Noelle Skaggs is on a mission to make career opportunities in music more accessible to BIPOC, LGBTQIA+, female identifying, gender non-conforming individuals, and disabled persons across all stages. And it couldn't have come at a more crucial moment. According to recent research, just 21% of popular artists are women, 12% are songwriters, and only 2% are producers. And the stats are even bleaker for women of color. It's clear the music industry needs to change and Noelle is leading the way. Needless to say, I can't wait to dive into the incredible career of this successful multi-hyphenate and learn more about how she's transforming the music industry through her Diversify the Stage initiative. So welcome to the work party, Noelle. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So before we get into Diversify the Stage, which I'm really excited to chat about, let's take it back to the beginning because having a career in music in the first place feels nearly impossible. So how did you break into the music scene and what made you interested in music? Persistence. Um, (laughs) That's literally it. You know, I was always into songwriting as a kid. I used to write down every single song imaginable that I was in love with just to learn how to sing it. Really. I think it was, you know, I wasn't really classically trained. I didn't have a trainer. My parents didn't know I sang way up until like junior high school, you know, and and at that point, I think I'd been doing it since I was a kid, just in my bedroom after, you know, after school and, and playing my dad's record collection and, and, you know, just kind of learning songs on the way from the radio 
you know, music was just like a constant in my family, you know, and as I got older and started getting into high school, I started to doing, you know, doing more performances and the talent shows and participating in assemblies and, and doing things like that. So I fell in love with just performance over, you know, my, my adolescent period. And it wasn't really until like college that I started kind of deep diving into actually learning the technical aspects and, and learning the business aspects and giving myself the freedom to kind of explore. And uh, through that process, I met a lot of people that were already really doing things in the industry. They either had like hip hop groups and they were doing performances at different clubs, or, you know, they had records they were doing, they were meeting with you know, record labels and things like that. And, you know, as I just kind of made friends, I just started doing projects with them. You know, I like the first demo I'd ever done was just randomly being in the studio when my friends were recording something, you know, to get prepared for a label meeting. And I started singing the song because I knew it. And they were like, oh my God, I didn't know you could sing like that. Can you please like record this verse? And it kind of really went from there because after that, everything was really word of mouth. Like LA works on such a word of mouth kind of, you know, platform that I, you know, it just kind of followed me, you know, everywhere that I went. If I, you know, did something with one person and they really liked it, if somebody was looking for a singer, they would recommend me. And it became me writing choruses for a lot of hip hop tracks. And that led to a lot of different bands which led me, you know, ultimately to fit in the tantrums. Amazing. So you've obviously been creating Muscle into music for over 10 years and now the co lead singer of fits in the tantrum. But as you mentioned, it takes a lot of hustle and hard work to get where you are now. And I think oftentimes people don't understand. I think the music industry produces a lot of multi hyphenate. So to your point, you've written for other people. You've sang with different bands. I'm sure you've like produced other things. There's so much that goes into this career versus just being the one on stage and in the limelight. So can you talk a little bit about how you got your foot in the door and how you diversified, you know, the business of the business essentially to do all those different things? You know, I think it was really not saying no to a lot of things fairly early on. And, you know, it's, it's actually something that we talk about a lot in the band, you know, when we really first started, we took on every opportunity that was handed to us because we needed to get out there, you know, and there was a, there wasn't a lot of ma major things being thrown at us because we had only had an EP at the time, you know? So it was the same for me just in the start of my career. If it was something that moved me, if it was a song that felt good, and an artist that I really liked, I would collaborate with them and I just get featured on it, you know? Um, and that was really it. I didn't allow myself to like, I would only say no to things if it, if they didn't resonate, like if they didn't feel good in my gut, if I didn't feel good about the situation on a business side, or just the energy was weird, I wouldn't take it on, but I was super lucky. And that I had a community of, you know, artists, coming out of LA from like Stone's Throw Records, you know, Atlantic, like all these different, you know, capital at the time as well, you know, that I was able to kind of really shine, you know, and it was really people giving me the opportunity and, and allowing me to do my thing and, and, you know, and, and contribute to their art that really helped me grow as an artist, you know, and I, I give, I have to give a lot of credit also to like the black eyed peas because I spent a lot of time in the studio with them very early on before I'd even gotten into my first band. 
And, you know, Will I Am was a real mentor for me. I used to watch him in the studio, how he worked. He was always kind of, you know, trying to give me tips on my demos. And, you know what I mean? Like, I just had a really great time kind of watching their careers explode. And it, it, it kind of gave me guidance just being in the space. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And I think what's interesting about the music industry is I think even in early years, it was, it sounds like it was all about your network, right? Like who you knew, how you were like leveraging, doing different opportunities, being out there in the scene. And I don't think necessarily that was always the case for other industries, but now I feel like it's kind of like, that's the case for every industry. It's really getting out there, saying yes to opportunities, collaborating with people and kind of seeing where things take you. But obviously the music industry is one that, you know, much like the entertainment industry feels like this big mystery. Like when people make it, it's like, how did they do it? They're an overnight success, but they've probably been doing it for like 15 years. So what are some of the common misconceptions about being a musician today? It's that, it's that it's an overnight success. Like, you know, it's like a lot of folks don't realize, especially when we're thinking about the internet and the way that we consume music nowadays, you have a star in an instant, depending on how well they do on TikTok but you don't realize that maybe that artist literally had been doing it for years prior. It wasn't like their first song. It just happened to be the first song that you paid attention to that put them on a scale or they did something right. in one social media post and all of a sudden they go viral and you know who this artist is and you start deep diving into their, their records. I think it, the misconception is that it is an overnight success. None of us are overnight successes. You know, we have all stumbled and fallen We've had bad management. We've had bad, you know, decision-making on the part of our team. Something didn't explode the way that it should have. We've all kind of gone through that, that hustle or trying to get into the, you know, like if you're a hip hop artist, getting into the like right crew in your city, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into just breaking in and with every person that tells you no, if you're the stickler and you're the person that just, you know, does this because you love it, one day that door will open for you. And it's, it's really about timing sometimes as much as it is luck, you know, as much as it is, you know, who, you know, who you don't know, who you may have 360 degrees of separation from, there's really no telling how things go, but your persistence and your work ethic are the things that shine through the most. You know, and if somebody knows that you're a hustler and they know that you're really working towards something and you just have that thing, they're going to support you. Hey, Work Party listeners, jumping in here for a moment to share something new from one of our sponsors, Napjitsu. It's our sponsors that keep the Work Party going, so we appreciate their support and yours. I don't know about you guys, but in the afternoons, right around 2 or 3 p.m., I struggle with deciding whether or not to grab another cup of coffee. An extra cup will get me through my afternoon meetings, but there's a big chance it will also keep me up all night. As a business owner, it's a tough balancing act to have that always on mentality. An afternoon refill was the only way I could make it through those sleepy afternoons. Until now. Nap Jitsu is a time-release caffeine supplement to keep your energy steady throughout the day. Their patent-pending formulas have natural ingredients like B vitamins, guarana, and ginseng to give you that much-needed boost of energy without the crash later. Each capsule provides brain-boosting nootropics to unlock steady, productive energy right when you need it, keeping you awake during the most important times of the day. Peak performance all day long. You can even take Napjitsu to deepen meditation or to combat jet lag. 
I just got back from a whirlwind trip to New York and let me tell you that three hour time difference was a rough adjustment this time. But after taking Nabjitsu, I was able to jump right back into an action packed workday. And if you're worried about caffeine affecting your sleep, like me, their capsule will provide long lasting energy to ensure you experience deeper sleep when it's time for bed. No more tossing and turning or worrying about the next day's to-do list in your head. We have to remind ourselves that we are not alone when it comes to exhaustion and low energy. 72% of Americans report being tired every day. But when was the last time any of us took a nap? A quick nap helps you reset your body and brain to unlock that energy you need to power through the rest of your day. If you want to empower your nap, nap jitsu can also help with that. So whether you need to experience deeper sleep, take a power nap, or unlock immediate lasting energy, each nap jitsu product is designed to help you achieve your optimal performance. Remember, the smart rest more, the wise rest better. Rest up and level up with nap jitsu. For a limited time, receive 30% off your first purchase when you go to napjitsu.com slash party. Go to napjitsu.com slash party for 30% off your first purchase today. That's N-A-P-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash party. For someone who's looking to break into the music industry today, you know, what advice would you give yourself if you were starting out today? I, I feel like every move that I made turned into what I'm doing now. So I'm not exactly sure what kind of advice I would give myself other than take more time reading the contract. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, sure. or, or learning how to ask the right questions, like asking the dumbest questions and knowing that, you know, like if you have an attorney, like that's what they're there for. They're to make, they're there to make sure that you completely understand every single word that is happening on that page before you sign that deal. Mm. Um, I, I think they're like, you know, not being so overzealous with the opportunity that I was being presented and thinking that everybody had my best interest at heart. Yeah, 100%. I think we all learn those lessons the hard way. I always say get it in writing. But the reality is, and to your point, you know, you could have a, a lawyer that's looking out for you and, and, you know, marking things up. But at the end of the day, they don't know exactly what you want unless you ask for it. So asking those yeah. questions and knowing what to bring to the table. And as I always like to call it, I, I just operate in worst case scenarios all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah. I think that's, I think, and I think coming out of 2020, I mean, we all sort of learned that lesson a little bit, but I want to talk about your new initiative. Um, last year, you launched Diversify the Stage. It's an initiative to help further equal opportunity within the music industry. So one, tell us about Diversify the Stage and how it works. And two, tell us what compelled you to launch this platform. Honestly, like it's the gathering of industry professionals and community engagement organizations to actually put forth actions to create more intention behind diverse hiring practices, looking at the safety and health of our fans, our staff members, anything that we can actually do to really evolve the industry and, and put it in the same trajectory as what we're seeing throughout our communities, you know, um, that's, that's it. That's what it's turned into. It started off really as, as a dialogue, you know, a dialogue in my head, then a dialogue on social media, you know, as things were really, you know, kind of uh, progressing with COVID and all of the police violence against black communities and, you know, Asian populations and, and all of these things. I just started to kind of like really think about my life and the experiences that I had throughout my career especially as I started getting more into the pop alternative space of my music career. And I kind of started to watch the diversity lesson. Like mm. it was just like, 
I'd gone from like a hip hop community where it was constantly diverse into something that was completely not. You know, after a while, it kind of felt normal, either being the only woman in the room or being the only person of color in the room if there were more women. I really wanted to kind of like have a dialogue with folks, learn more about the live side of the industry, how things were put together, to see where the obstacles were when it, with actually hiring folks of color. Like, do we just not exist in this space? Or is it you just can't find us? Or we just don't know about the careers. And it, it was kind of like a combination of both because it really depends upon where you are in the region, where your business operates, how you do your recruiting, all of these things, you know, all of these like little micro things that you have to dive into. And I decided to, you know, start building something to help, you know, whether it be putting resources in front of hiring managers to find qualified staff for tours or creating an education platform, which is like the meat of Diversify the Stage. We focus on bringing up young people and planting seeds about the career paths in the industry offering mentorship, offering uh, workforce placement with apprenticeships and PAs within our network partnerships. And I've been really fortunate over this last year that I had, you know, I had such a, a strong Rolodex and I could get on the phone with a lot of people to have these discussions. And, you know, we're about to roll out pretty, something pretty big. I'm getting close to the finish line. Hopefully, you know, everybody that has been involved can endorse it and we can start moving forward and you'll hear more about that. But it's, it's really to better the industry, create actions that are standard practice and, and get everybody on the same page as it relates to this one you know, thing that we all know is the massive issue in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, the tour industry is billion dollar industry. And there's so much that goes into that. I know like some people just show up to see their favorite artists, but the lighting, the, the tech, the setup, the set design, the choreography, I mean, the amount of jobs, frankly, it takes to just put one artist on tour is, is insane. And so, uh, and again, you know, growing up, it's like, you're like, what do I want to be? It's like a doctor, an astronaut, a singer, but no one ever thinks about like those sort of technical roles. Or maybe to your point, don't know they exist, but since launching, you've added a number of educational components. So can you tell us a little bit about the Diversify the Stage Masterclass series? Yeah. So it's actually, it's, it's one full program with three different phases. So it starts with a masterclass series that runs for eight weeks and it's hosted like a panel discussion. We invite two industry professionals to talk to 25 youth of color that, you know, apply and get into the special program. You know, they talk about their career paths. They talk about, you know, areas of study we have uh, specific areas we focus on everything from ticketing to tour management to, you know, being an agent, talent buying, how that all kind of coincides, what the promoter does, what a producer does, you know, venue management, just really kind of deep diving into these different areas, the technical roles as well. And, you know, from there, we, we go into a mentorship phase. So after the masterclass is complete, the student stays on. They're placed with a mentor, either from the executive level, the tour personnel level, the technical level, depending upon what their interests are and, you know, how, how they feel their path is going to move forward in the future. We pair them and then their first meeting with their mentor, they're able 
and eligible to be placed in apprenticeship opportunities that come through our pipeline. Yeah. And just to note, you know, those apprenticeships in your program are paid, you know, and they, so that's a huge opportunity because sometimes people don't have the luxury of, you know, taking on an apprenticeship or an internship that's unpaid. So tell us a little bit about that program and why it being paid is so important. Well, it's equity, right? You have to, you know, instill in people the value of their time and the value of their work. It's not to say that a lot of internships, you know, a lot of companies now are paying, but it's the rate of pay. The rate of pay varies based upon where you are. What we've tried to do in our program is is, is commit to having a minimum that, you know, we want companies to adhere to or a day rate, you know, based upon what the standard day rate is for a shadowing opportunity, for instance, for a one-off show, or, you know, if it's, if it's a longer term internship, how can we match what's happening in LA to what's happening in the South? Cause mm. it's a very different minimum wage requirement there. So with us, we have an opportunity to help students gain scholarships through, you know, funding partners that we have. We're actually starting a scholarship fund with Korg that will actually help, you know, young people that are trying to break into this side of the industry. They'll have to meet certain requirements financially. Um, but that's what we're doing to, you know, kind of help off- offset some of those costs. If there is an uh, internship opportunity that one of our students wants to take that doesn't meet our minimum requirement. Hey guys, taking a quick pause here to debunk another myth with our sponsor, Lumino. The myth, all oral bacteria are bad. The truth is 98% of the bacteria in our mouths are actually good. This bacteria works as a protective shield, also known as your oral microbiome. The oral microbiome works around the clock as the first line of defense against disease and illness. So contrary to popular belief, wiping them out with harsh products actually does more harm than good. Okay, now, what if I told you there were oral care products that did no harm? That they could whiten, clean, and freshen your mouth, all while still protecting your oral microbiome. It may sound too good to be true, but guess what? These products actually exist. Lumino is the first oral care line that is delicious and clinically proven to maintain good bacteria while cleaning, freshening, and whitening, as well as the other guys, without the harm. Everyone in my family has veneers, so we take oral care very seriously, which is why I started using Lumino, spelled L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X. The toothpaste, mouthwash, and biodegradable toothbrush are stepping up my oral health game in a big and fresh way. Plus, their whitening strips are a total game changer. They've left my teeth whiter and brighter without any lingering sensitivity. I've told all my friends and family about it, so now I'm trying to get you all just as hooked as I am. It's also so important to take care of your microbiome. Backed by science, preserving the ecosystem of microorganisms living in your body is key to optimal health and wellness. There's a reason why they pronounce their name Lumino. Their line of products have no harsh bleaches, no artificial dyes, no alcohol. Only delicious, hardworking ingredients that clean, freshen, and whiten, as well as the other guys, without the harm. So show up for your microbiome and introduce yourself to Lumino. That's L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X. We are dedicated to illuminating better ideas in oral care. Join us and be illuminating. Go to oralessentials.com and use code PARTY to save 15% off your first order. That's oralessentials.com and use code PARTY, 15% off your first order. All right, let's get back to the episode. So, you know, you launched us a year ago. The music industry has made some some forward progress, I would say, in some ways. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of room for improvement. 
But how would you like to see the industry further evolve to better champion diversity and inclusion in 2021 and beyond? Widen the net of, you know, recruitment. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the word of mouth practice is efficient. You know, it's efficient in, you know, making sure that you find people from people that you know or people that you're used to, all of these things, right? It's been, a, it's been effective, but what it's also contributed to is the lack of diversity that we see across stages because it really depends upon who you know. If you don't know any people of color and no one you know does, you're probably not going to hire anybody of color for your production. So what we're trying to do is introduce a number of databases to hiring managers to help them in their process of finding qualified staff. We're also encouraging them to bring on more opportunities for young people, people that, you know, wouldn't otherwise know about that career path, right? To bring them under their wing. If they see a talent in somebody, if they, you know, are seeing a leadership quality in somebody that's really trying to break into the side of the industry, to give them opportunities and shadowing, to offer up maybe a two-week apprenticeship in your venue so this person can learn, you know, the day-to-day -day workflows and get a really real experience there. I'm really hoping that the tools that we're providing for folks, they actually start using and more people start populating these infrastructures so that we can maybe create one centralized form of finding qualified staff in the same way that people do, you know, with their HR departments and the staffing agencies, all these things that we're able to create that path with within the live community. Other things that we're, you know, really hoping for is that people just take the measures and the steps to assess their businesses mm. and how, you know, how they're doing things and how they can improve. It could be basic trainings. You know, when we're, when we're talking about diversity and equity, we all also have to be inclusive. We have to make sure that the people that we're hiring feel included in the, in the future successes of the business. You know, we have a lot of people that have high turnover rate and there's reasons why, you know, so it's really assessing and doing a real deep dive about the things that you're doing that may be contributing to you know, your high turnover or your lack of, of diversity on your staff? How are you guys, you know, marketing and including the local community? Who are you working with? What are your sources? You know, so I think really people just reanalyzing how they're running their, their businesses is going to really move the needle forward for us in the coming years. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think the artist's role is in this? You know, obviously it depends on the size of the artist, but if you're looking at someone like, I mean, I can't open my phone without like a Harry Styles popping up every single day. What role does the artist play? Because I know, you know, there was a lot of uh, chatter around inclusion writers during the Oscars, but you know, how does that translate into the music industry? Same thing. You know, one thing I did learn is uh, a lot of us are so far removed from what is happening, even within our internal teams and how they get built. We have the power to say, this is how we want our staffing to look. We have the power to say, this is how we want every single production, every single stage that we walk on to look. And people will do it because they want us to play their venues. They want us to be their clients. They want to continue working for us. Without us, there is no show. You know, so artists need to embrace one, pay attention to what's happening around you, right? Your internal team could be rad. You could have, you know, fully diverse staff, but then you hop on to say, you know, a specific venue 
that is mostly union hired and you're not getting that same reflection, mm. you know? So it's really creating the demand. If there is a demand coming from the top, which is us, and we're, you know, influencing our teams to make sure that these measures are put in place, then we won't have this many issues. But again, it comes down to education. Mm. You know, it's, it's really educating ourselves on how our businesses operate from the top down. I think a lot of us are sheltered from that. Managers often tell you, don't worry about it. You know, you should just be worried about the creative thing. But I think nowadays, knowing what we know, you have to deep dive deeper. If you really want to create change, you have to understand what you're asking for and not just kind of like demanded on the front of a performative action. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think now more than ever, anyone in a position of power has to think more around their impact, whether it be the team around them, whether it be sustainability, like whatever their business might be. So I think that's super important and obviously something we'll we'll hope to keep seeing the evolution of. So how can anyone who's just listening, who's like, this is amazing. I love diversify the stage. How do I get involved? What would you say is the best way to do that? You can visit our website. Um, Just go to diversifythestage.org, you know, read more about the work that we're doing. We're getting ready to roll out an inclusion initiative. Um, So there'll be opportunities for artists to participate for, you know, businesses, all of these things. So just go to our website, click the get involved form, let us know how you want to be involved and how you want to activate. And then when it's time, we'll reach out. And, you know, one of the things we talked about the top and the, and the artist, but, you know, for someone who maybe is just starting their career and noticing that they're, they happen to be in a room with all white men, what advice would you give them to kind of advocate for themselves and to have those, you know, conversations in the workforce and advocate for change if they're, if they're feeling like a little hesitant? All you can do is have conversations about it, right? You know, for me, it was talking to my tour manager and asking that real question, like, why haven't we ever, you know, had a person of color, you know, that wasn't a male, right? But, you know, what what are the obstacles here? Is it just because you haven't been introduced or people don't apply? It was really having that conversation first and opening up that dialogue, you know, where it was all, also kind of like, I never thought about it. Right. You know, because most of us don't, we go for the most qualified person. We're trying to get our days done. You know, we don't want to have to worry about anything happening. And that's, that's really the mentality of, of, of most of us in this industry, because our industry moves so quickly, you know, being on tour, you have to have reliable people. It's about energy. It's about character, all of these different things. So it's not, if it's not in the forefront of your mind, that there's a lack of diversity, you know, then nine times out of 10, you're not going to change it. What I will say with us is we're 50-50 gender, you know, um, identification, sexuality identification. We're, you know, we've done really well there in making our intentions, you know, my intentions known because I was like, I can't go on tour with a bunch of dudes. Like that's just not happening for me. So we need to make sure that we always have either female technical crew you know, or, or whatever, you know, however it identifies, but it needs to have some balance. Definitely. And, you know, sometimes we've seen a few people try to launch these initiatives and kind of fall on their face, or there's been a lot of, you know, chatter around cancel culture and people being nervous that they're going to get it wrong, launching these diversity initiatives. So, I mean, I guess what advice would you have for, you know, someone who might be 
nervous to launch or has launched and failed and is trying again? You know, what are sort of your feelings on that? I think pooling resources is super important. Uh, One thing that I really tried to do was not reinvent the wheel. There's a million, I'm not even kidding you. There are a million initiatives out there, a million, you know, organizations that are doing very similar things, some doing them in a very different way, some doing them identically. You know what I mean? And you need to, I think it's doing the research and finding those, you know, those partnerships with other community organizations and just pulling those resources. You'd be surprised what you're able to do. Yeah. Reaching outside of your own community and and asking those questions and bringing in thought leaders and and experts in the space, I think is always a great place to start. And I think even more in the last year, we've seen the DE&I industry of consultants and companies and agencies and you know, things like that, that are available, obviously, to tap into. And so you make sure that you're getting that, you know, perspective as well. I think one thing I'll say about that is, is also making sure that this doesn't become a commodity. Mm, Totally. That this side of the industry doesn't become some business plot for people to make money off of teaching people not to be racist. There, there should be, yes, absolutely. There should be, you know, training, It should be looked at on the same HR level as anything. If we're thinking about mental health services, there should be diversity training, you know, sensitivity training in all aspects, de-escalation. That should be like the standard practice across the board. But what I really hope doesn't start happening is people are making money or people are looking for rewards off of being not racist, right? Being you know what I'm saying? To stop being unconsciously racist or whatever it is, or biased or however you want to word it, you're doing it because yes, it is the right thing to do. And you're trying to be informed in how you, you know, you activate. Absolutely. But I I don't want it to become like a commercial ploy. Yeah, no, I mean, in the same way, gender equality, in the same way, sexual harassment, in the same way, all these different things, it needs to be a normalized experience. It can't be, you know, oh, we're doing it because we need to check a box by any means. So let's wrap with some rapid fire sentence finishers. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Uh, (laughs) The three traits that got me to where I am today. I would say kindness, micromanagement, (laughs) True. I mean, truly micromanagement and just, you know, um, freedom, giving myself freedom. I mean, I love that you said micromanagement. I feel like micromanagement gets a real bad rap. And honestly, it's like, sometimes it's necessary. Not all the time. Hey man, not all the time, not all the time. But if it's, if it's your vision and your business, you got to like really look at every single, you know, angle of how you want it to look and operate. And, and that's it, man. It's so true. Okay. A song I'm currently (laughs) listening to on repeat is, Oh, I'm not listening to anyone right now. Oh my God. That's crazy. Do you have a podcast? Are you listening? Are you reading anything? Oh my God. Um, I've been reading my inclusion initiative for the last like, six months. So I've been basically in contract mode. I, I listened to nothing. Oh my God. I just started listening to Radiohead again. Let's say it's like Kid A record. Kid A record back on, on repeat. I That's love it. it. An up and coming artist you'd like to grab coffee with? I would say he's not up and coming anymore, but I would love to hang with Lil Nas X. I think he's, I think he's really interesting. Oh yeah. He is. He's such an incredible marketer and the way he's built his brand is, is incredible. Um, I mean, I'm not Gen Z, but I feel like from the outskirts, I'm like watching and loving it. Honestly, I would say him and Tyler, their creator are probably the two I would want to just like hang out with. Let's just like, let's just go 
do something. I love that. That would be a really fun coffee date. And the most underrated person behind the scenes is the production manager. Mm, What do they do? They do everything. (laughs) So the tour manager is responsible for wrangling people like me. The production manager handles everything else. So your technical contracts, making sure that when you show up, your grapes are on, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they deal with all the logistical matters of you arriving. Those are my, those are my people. Um, It's the same thing in the event conference world. It's like all of those details matter so much and they're kind of like overlooked once you get there because yeah. it's, it's usually such a seamless experience, but so important. And those people are definitely, once you find them, hold on to them for sure. Well, thank you so much, Noel. What an incredible conversation. Tell us where everyone can follow Diversify the Stage online, on social, all that good stuff. So on social media, it's Diversify the Stage. On Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's Diverse Stage. That's it. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Noelle. Thank you. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is work party.